The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another amazing episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film, television, comics, and what have you. And uh, <laughs> we've already been having a lot of fun before getting started here. What is so funny? You were just making this face that absolutely screams, oh God, what have I gotten myself into? And it's just killing me. This is I gonna... realize I can't talk about this movie without laughing hysterically and no one can understand me. So it's going to be mostly unusable content. For Perfect me. for audio. Oh, yeah. This Perfect. Yes, absolutely. And uh, what we are going to be talking about tonight is a... Uh, film that has a number of different types of fans oh, that have yeah. found themselves uh, uh, obsessed with this movie from comic book nerds to uh, military bros to oh, to chads and Just, uh, yeah. giant dorks alike. Mm-hmm. This, is a, this is a film by Zack Snyder that really <laughs> kind of launched him into super celebrity. Oh yeah, that it it was his gateway into pretty much all of his like big works afterwards was directly because everyone's like, "Do you see how he adapted this comic?" And so also just shoehorned him into the guy that does the slow motion fight scenes guy. Yeah, that too. Was this movie we're talking of course Zack Snyder's 300. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> and we got a three pack tonight of uh panelists to talk about this so with uh, every time that we've had a three-pack usually it's very dense in mm-hmm. uh in there's gonna be a total of six different takes on this movie by the end of the <laughs> time we're, we're done here we're, this will have been done to death yes it will have been but also that means that we're not going to be taking it nearly as seriously it's usually a lot <laughs> faster and looser with a three-pack which right. i i think is perfectly fine for this movie oh yeah yeah can't take this movie too seriously. So first off is a regular panelist on many of the shows from Geeks Under the Influence. Uh, you know him as my dungeon master, and not in that sexy way yet, but I, yeah, keep, we're I working keep working on towards we're working that. On it. Uh, I've got Jack here. Hey. What was the last show you were on for Smackdown? Uh, I think it was The Rocketeer when Disney right. Plus launched. Yep, that yeah. sounds about right. So it's been a little bit since you've it's been It's been a minute. We, uh, we kind of slowed down a little bit during COVID's beginning. Things happened. So yeah. we're kind of picking back up again. And uh, this actually started with a conversation between one of uh, your friends and yourself about a friend that was recently obsessed with 300. Yes. And then there was a conversation of who should be on Smack My Pitch Up to do it. And we just decided right. on everyone. Just, yeah, just everybody just come on in. in. <laughs> so it's going to be a lot of fun having uh, Melina here to talk about uh, 300 with us. Thank you. This is only the second podcast ever I've participated in. I don't actually know who the fan base is. And here's a weird thing about me. I'm like a very much a contrarian. So I 
rarely see like blockbusters for whatever reason if it's a movie that everybody else has seen is like wildly popular i'll see it like seven or ten years later 30 sure. like an unfashionable amount of years later <laughs> i also don't care very much about food like i'm not a foodie i'm like the only non-foodie left in north america sure richmond um, specifically yeah, especially mm-hmm. richmond yeah but if it is an esoteric foreign art house food as metaphor for film movie that dollars to donuts i have probably seen it so So you're the one that that people are like oh man have you seen the newest marvel movie and you're like no but if it's something like really just disturbingly a niche then you're probably right on it yeah okay bizarrely yes Yes. um on a subject that i don't really care about (laughs) okay like ghostbusters haven't seen it. Have not seen the original Ghostbusters. Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, 1988 Taiwanese film. Yes, I have. Nice. <laughs> so. That's uh, very similar to uh, my uh, partner on Deeply Upsetting and in Life. Uh, yeah. Who, uh, Amy Bogard, who has not seen a lot of the big blockbusters, but then randomly will be like, oh, no, I've seen Hereditary or Midsummer or, you know, these <laughs> yeah. really depraved movies, but she hasn't hadn't seen I don't know, like Kindergarten Cop, you know, so. I also haven't seen Kindergarten yep. Cop, so. Yeah. See, yeah. And I've also seen Midsummer, but not Hereditary, so. Working um, on How it. I came to see 300, finally, what is it, 13 years after yeah. Something it like that. launched, as Jack informed me, it, as it, uh, 13 years after it launched the CrossFit craze. <laughs> well, what you can do is actually cut open Gerard Butler's abs and count the rings to see how far it's been there since uh, 300 came out. <laughs> oh, is that true? That's I did very see true. while researching who played who, I did see a list of like 300 then and now. And I was like, that's mean. But for, I'm glad to see like as a woman and like seeing how women are portrayed in media. And it's like, oh, my God, she's aged one year in the last You're 10. Right. Yeah. Fuck that ugly hag. It's kind of nice to see the guys like get a little well, bit of it. Like. Ger- Gerard <laughs> Butler's been kind of having it kind of gone that Russell Crowe level of just kind of like going downhill a little bit. Whereas Michael Fassbender, who's in 300, has just done the glow up, as they say. Where oh, he's he, just getting it, oh my God, he is so, so fine in that X-Men movie, the one X-Men movie that I've seen. Oh, well, if it's I was the thinking... one where he stabbed Nazis, I think we all got a boner on that <laughs> right. one. Actually, I did not see that one. Oh. I saw Days of Future Past. That's the one. Okay. That's not, that's a good one though. That, that is, is still a good, a good one. one. Yeah. So uh, it really depends on the actor on how uh, how they've done after it. But we are yeah. going to get into that. But mm-hmm. first, uh, let's kind of get into the uh, basic gist of how this show works for anybody that's listening for the first time. Is this show is not meant to be taken seriously at all. This is just a fun fan casting uh, mental exercise to figure out if we were to be remaking, reimagining a movie today. Who would we cast? What would the director be? Would there be any tonal changes, any plot changes? Uh, just having fun with that. And then we have, after our initial casting of our actual ideas, we have what we call our remix, which is a completely outside the box look at a movie. So we've had John Waters direct a He-Man movie. We've had a Super Mario Brothers movie based on the Burt Reynolds film Gator. We've <laughs> made some very strange choices over the years. Uh, here on Smack My Pitch Up, and we will continue to do so. So it's just a weird tonal shift in the property, just to make it fun. So uh, we're going to see what we can do with 300 to totally change the way that this film is uh, appreciated in the future with our remix. But so first off, I want to ask my panelists here, is there any kind of major 
plot or tonal shifts that you're doing for your actual take on 300? My main tonal shift I would do, and this was my issue that I took with the movie. And That's part of it, say, yeah. I, my background is actually, I used to be kind of a historian and I still like kind of approach the world in that way, although that would be lying to say the ancient world or like the Mediterranean world I know a lot about, but I do recognize, as my friend Sonia told me, Melina, it is not meant to be a historically accurate movie. No. My message that I got from it is like, not only does it totally warp the historic record in like many ways in terms of like how uh, Persians and Greeks are depicted and their cultures, but... So wait, Greeks didn't talk with a light British accent? Or a heavy Scottish Uh, one? Or a heavy Scottish accent? Yes, no, they did not. Um, but like, uh, you know, it's it more just like the mythos of it, or like, I'll, you know, I'll get into it, but like she pointed out that it was a movie that's actually about mythic masculinity, mm-hmm. but I take it yeah. a step further and I feel like it, it's actually like the ultimate toxic masculinity film because it is using the, the mythos of, um, like classic masculinity as a diatribe against cultural diversity. That's what the movie is actually about. And my tonal shift is um, I would go ahead. I think my direction I went with is just like embrace it and just make it like full on their white supremacist. <laughs> like we know they're the bad guys because we're going to have like Werner Herzog directed or something like that. OK, there you go. Um, so I hope is that is that the right approach? That's kind of exactly the GUI uh, smack my pitch up style right there is just to go fucking weird with it or just kind of lean in a little yeah. bit. I am not saying I promote like uh, to me, it's actually obscene. And the weird thing, I know 300 is also not meant to be a comedy. And I also find the concept that I just described of like uh, mythic masculinity as a diatribe against cultural diversity. That is like the most hideous thing in the world. And I cannot stop laughing throughout the movie because of like the heroic way in which this is presented. And it's just ridiculous, like showmanship. It's reminded me of a number of other films. And I've done this kind of switch previously, very recently about going from ultra masculine into like overtly homoerotic and sexual. Uh, oh, was uh, that, that's a good subversion, honestly. I forget what what episode it was, so I decided to not go that route this time with with my take, just because I've done it recently. That's but too obvious it's... for this one. I mean, this is the thing I was afraid to say, but like one of the things I think about three hundred. That's funny that I I literally my weird thing with movies is like once I get into a movie, I will just watch it repetitively until like somehow access is cut off. <laughs> Or right. I move on to something else. <laughs> Somebody flicks the breakers yeah. on the house so the power goes out. So you don't... Or like I lost, at, like they took it off Netflix or whatever. Sure. Yeah. That kind of yeah. thing, which is what happened with 300. <laughs> We've talked about at length on a number of the shows, like the uh, volleyball scene from Top Gun. And, uh, I also haven't seen it. You know, some of the, oh, I think it was the Predator episode where I made it like hypersexual. I haven't seen it. Right. Where there's, it's so all about like sweaty, greased up, like muscular yeah. men being muscular with each other. Yeah. And it gets to this point where it is like right on that precipice of being like so ultra masculine that it's falling into homoerotic. Yeah. It's like and, the village, man. There's like a term for that. I forget um, what that kind of. I totally forgot, but it's I like mean, there's being, like an so... uncounty valley for porn, I'm sure. Yeah. And well, like, oh, yeah. So this was my thing I was going to say that I'm like potentially very offensive. But if you've ever seen Party Down, there's a joke in Party Down where this like complete troll of a character named Roman 
makes he like asks someone he's like troll he is a troll but someone else trolls him by asking him to write on a piece of paper how many times have you seen 300 and if you he it's like he writes down six but it's like if you write more than one you're gay and i like literally <laughs> saw this like 70 times in one week and told my friend sammy about it and she was like surely you've seen party down and you know <laughs> yeah. the joke i'm about to make about it, so yeah yeah, the best part are the like completely misogynistic, um, ultra machismo, very defensive about their masculinity type dudes mm -hmm. that watched this like bare chested, like erotic. Oh no, they're experience. all they're they're all waxed and oiled up, and <laughs> all their abs all are on point, listening in, in the summer sun. That, just it's committed to me. It doesn't yeah. even the, the the irony for me as someone who sleeps with men is like it's at that point it's just comedic I, I i'm not even like oh that's sexy i'm like why are you wearing a plastic halloween costume of a super hero's torso you know that's what <laughs> <laughs> you know? like when little kids have like the batman torso and like they sculpt out the, the backs the yeah the yeah that is yeah and i love just like all of the lines that all of the heroes in this film deliver are just the like ultra badass lines of like our arrows will block out the sun then we'll fight in the shade you know there's these just like so ultra masculine responses to everything where they fear nothing and they have like the best morals even though they, they like shit on homosexuality and they like murdered babies because they well, don't, and, they don't have and the right historically nose. held slaves yeah yeah because it's like all of these in real life every spartan and i'm not hey no i don't hate all you sleep with who you want consensual oh yeah no we're adult very exactly. very pro but, like all of these <laughs> soldiers would have like had sex with men their whole lives like yep they would have been like uh, like pegging each other in inside of the phalanx when they were waiting for the persian army to come just like popping i mean pinkies i get in there. it it's, but it's also like it's just like comedic the way they constantly have to like stand at attention and be like like you know, all these scenes where they're basically also, has anyone told them you could act without constantly shouting? <laughs> like at any moment. I don't think anyone's told Gerard. And just like hulking out their chest, like check out my eight pack. Like, I, I don't think anyone's told Gerard Butler. He can act without screaming. Well, the thing is they don't show any like boring, normal scenes in that movie. It's all like epic moments. So there's not the like, I require a sandwich. You know, there's no just normal everyday. There's, ho -hum. No, there's no, there's no quiet moments. It's it's like just the moment before somebody starts yelling at you. Has anyone seen my other sandal? Like, no, there's no like normal. The, the, I just had my keys. Where did I put my it's keys? Like we, ha we have to have a sex scene where we still see Gerard Butler's ass and his like amazing pecs while he's. It is a very yeah. nice ass. It is a nice ass. <laughs> but so. just say it's like still in slow motion and still very much focused on all of Gerard Butler's rippling muscle. Yeah. Well, that's why the enunciation is on butt of Butler instead of Butler. It's yeah. Butler. I never put that together. <laughs> <laughs> 300 how many times? Perfect. Yeah, but it is. And also a great, for anybody who's listening, almost better than 300. I love to watch 300 and then alternate with um, this YouTube video, Everything Wrong 
with, with 300. 300. <laughs> oh, yes. It's very hilarious. And yeah, they point out this one scene like after he bones and he like stands by. I, they're not exactly windows, but he's like facing his community, like a whole city just butt naked with his like ding dong facing all the citizens. I, think I mean, at, I guess it would have been dark, but at the time, I think those were called wall holes at the time. <laughs> they weren't actually windows at the time. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's just standard royalty to show your dick to your entire populace. Right. Well, what are they going to do? Be like, bah, ha, ha, ha. No, they'd be like, that is a royal dick. Pretty much. King Leonidas. <laughs> that penis will block out the sun. That's, that's all right. So let's okay. get into the casting and, and tonal. Well, the ch- tonal shift for me is a pretty easy transfer over into um like we've said that it's like ultra masculine and very comic booky and it, it's supposed to be it's based on the comic book kind of iteration of the the battle of 300 and i wanted to kind of take it back a little bit and still have it definitely not realistic or right. like historically accurate yeah but more that classic you know in the same vein as like braveheart and robin hood and you know king arthur's tale and where it's just more that like classic old old timey almost like medieval kind of approach to the battle of the 300 yeah so definitely not true but definitely more that classic take not comic booky so uh for oh i went i went full on comic booky um i went i wanted to get back more towards uh frank miller's original comic versus like the, the the movie adaptation because the movie adaptation threw in a bunch of subplots sure and they extended out a lot of characters but when you got lena hetty I would extend out her character too. Sure. But so in my version, it's going to be an animated movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Because I want that cartoon feel, but I want it to be from Todd McFarlane. Wow. So it's still ultra violent and hyper masculine because, you know, if you've ever seen the HBO Spawn series, it's like, yeah, still toxic masculinity and a lot of blood and gore and violence. That, which I think, yeah, no, that absolutely would would fit for Frank Miller style. uh, You do... Uh, McFarlane or Rob Liefeld to just get the ultra ab characters. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Although, but I think I think um because McFarlane's already done animated studio stuff. Yeah. I mean it's it's true. a few years behind uh behind like the culture at the moment, but I think it would still really work for this. Uh if you saw uh when Zack Snyder did th- uh did Watchmen, he did a side a side project where he animated the Tales the, of the, the Black Freighter. Black Freighter, yeah, I did see that. With Gerard Butler. Yep. That great, kind of great animation, yeah, great animation. Uh, I think it would it would work really well for doing three hundred as a as a full on cartoon. Nice, yeah, but yeah, you know, obviously cartoon for adults. So you got Todd McFarlane as the, your director of your real take. It's it's more like artistic director because he's not really a director. Even all of the other cartoons uh, stuff that had his name attached mm-hmm. onto it, he had other talent working there. So it, it was pretty much a talent list that is there to you know underpin. Todd McFarlane's style. Sure, gotcha. More so. Okay. So I'm I'm just putting him na- his name as the director, but it's probably going to be a whole directorial cast of people who are just supporting his brand as sure. it were. I got you. And uh Melina, do you have a director in mind for your for your leaning in version of uh 300? Yes. Um mine would be Werner Herzog. Werner Herzog. Okay, yeah. I, I thought yeah. you did mention. Okay, so I only know from um, his documentaries. I've never seen one of his like. What's the opposite of a doc? What do you like? Scripted, like a scripted movie. A scripted film, or yeah, like he did a, like a mockumentary that he was involved in was I think called uh-huh. Incident at Loch Ness, where he was doing like a oh, documentary okay. on the Loch Ness monster, and then chaos ensues, and it's a, it's a. 
a wonderful little ride. But yeah, no, his documentaries are like bleak as fuck just because he's doing the narration when the the people of the town like I've tried to do Arnold Schwarzenegger for some reason. Yeah, but, not, yeah. Um the the people <laughs> of Sparta had no hope. <laughs> they were slaves to the warrior caste. That is Werner Herzog's. He does 300. a really good job of um, very sympathetically portraying uh, a villain. I think because, like, oh, I yeah. mostly know him. I, I was going to say douchebag, but <laughs> yeah, douchebag. That's more appropriate because I feel yeah. like the. I'm going to be honest here. Like, you know, um, fuck the Greeks. Okay. <laughs> wow. wow. Okay. I mean, okay. There, there is, there is sub- substance to this because um, the story of Thermopylae. First off, that most people, most written accounts of it were after Greece had already become a city-state. Sure. Like, like had become a nation, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so it was the story that Greece told itself about a thing that one portion of Greece did a long time ago. Yeah. Right? So it's already sort of like that one step removed from reality. Oh, of course. And they've got to bump it up to make it themselves look much better than their opponents. Sure. Then you get like the the transplant of Greece became the like sort of bedrocks of what Rome became, mm-hmm. right? And then Rome qu- kind of like inflated the story as well, and they're like you know kind of claimed this hoplite war mongering ways from the Spartan sure. like military strategy, and they kind of carried that into their war with Carthage, which Carthage, being Phoenician descent, had a lot more to do with the Persians than they did with Greeks, right? Sure. So they kind of carried it on, saying like pretty much their their beef with Carthage was a carryover from the Spartans fighting the Persians. Which was all kind of an exaggerated account in the first yeah. place. And then America, you know, basing their democracy off of the Roman Senate because the Punic Wars, you know, the, the Roman Senate won. And then we kind of like adopted this Spartan mentality for our military for a couple of hundred years. And then you get the movie, The 300 Spartans, which Frank Miller watched as a kid, half remembered, created a comic out of it, mm-hmm. and then Zack Snyder turned that into a movie. Was that Kirk Douglas? I think was yeah. in the original. Yeah, yeah. in the post nine eleven world, where like warrior machismo shit became like this centralized thing in American culture, that's where three hundred came into like prominence in America. Sure. So it's like Good this insight. seven steps removed from reality. So, of course, everything's distorted and sure. warped and fucked up. Well, and that's why I want to kind of take it more to that like classic ancient tale kind of vibe instead of like the ultra machismo thing. Because I just I don't think that there's really uh, much space for that unless you are almost becoming a parody of the classic well, yeah. like, action yeah. machismo I don't genre. Th- I don't think you're you can really like that space has been explored. The original movie kind of explored that ultra machismo space. So. Unless you're doing it as a gag. Well, and then you still have those movies. Like the Fast and the Furious movies are definitely like that classic canon film ultra machismo, but it's borderline a parody of that old classic. Like it's so over the top and it's so unbelievable and it's so goofy. that Like scary movie. It's it's almost almost at the level (laughs) of scary movie. Yeah. But so I wanted to take it back to a more of a classic tone. So I went with a director that knows how to do a period piece very well mm-hmm. with 1492, Kingdom of Heaven, Robin Hood, Exodus, uh. and Gladiator. <laughs> We've got Ridley Scott yeah. doing a 300 movie. I, I can th- see that being a, lo- a little okay. more grounded. Grounded. I mean, it's still going to be, I mean, it's still, Gladiator is not the true story. No, uh, you it's, know, it's that, not. But it, it's, it's, 
he uses more of his epic set pieces about like what's what would have been possible, not necessarily what actually happened, sure. but what could have been possible at the time. Even though there's there's disputes about like Kingdom of Heaven specifically about how historically accurate sure. certain characters could have been, but he he plays a lot more in the grounded, but still wants to have an epic journey with your central character, and he so. loves a good underdog, one that goes against unrealistic sized enemy and somehow wins in some way. Not necessarily, you know, a ferric victory. It's still a victory. Sure, exactly. So. Okay. So yeah, really yeah I take back my state just to clarify. Please do not have me on record saying fuck the Greeks. I mean, <laughs> Greeks repeating it helps as Jack more eloquently uh, explained. Yeah, I uh, haven't seen 300 in several years. Mm -hmm. And so going back and looking at it and just like the casual nature in which it just disregards anything that is like not ultra machismo. Yeah. Where it calls like the Greeks boy lover or the Athenians what, boy, boy lovers, lovers. Yeah. and um, it just casually talks about how they just like throw b babies in a pile if they're not right. Mm -hmm. And like everything is so unreasonably darkly like you said that, it, that going over that line of being almost borderline like white supremacist with the kind of mentality almost mm -hmm. where, yeah. how, how they behave. Well, the, the line that really stood out for me and why I say it is actually a diatribe against um, cultural diversity and, and based, you know, is, is a white supremacist narrative is, uh, you know, so what, what we learn as we've established in this film, uh, you know, masculine equals good, Right. Um, and so everything that's not masculine equals not good. And the depiction of the Persians, you know, and their behaviors is like, it's extremely exoticized. Yeah. Uh, they're yeah, referred definitely. to at one point as the Asiatic horde. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's... Uh, or hordes, uh, actually hordes, yes. uh, plural. Plural. Um, There's way more and... ornamentation of everybody. Everything yes. is, is also like mutated in its level of ornamentation as well. Well, and but, some yeah. of them are frankly, um, you know, not human looking like there's, Correct. you know, yeah. they're they're per they're like monstrous, like true. There's that one person that has like saws for arms. Like and knife it's hands like, or something. <laughs> it's like, why? Just, you know, just why? You know, their costuming. It's just it's high. It's like orientalism to like this extreme warped way and also very interesting that they don't depict any people of color on the greek um army at all yeah but you know there's many you know people of color in the the persian army which you know argue you know just arguably may or may not really be accurate you know so well and that's i kind of was going with the classic like 80s into 90s tropes of this kind of uh sort of casting oh okay. uh when it comes to like the, the the story of the greeks or something like that where it's just all british actors well, because, you know, mm -hmm. everyone had British accents before 1492. Everyone did. And I wanted to kind of lean on that trope a little bit just for the fun of this episode a little bit. So with uh, Ridley Scott being my director, yeah. I'll just run real quick through my casting list and then we'll go around and round robin and get everybody's. But okay, for uh, King Leonidas with Ridley Scott, I've got actor that hasn't been in much in the way of Ridley Scott movies, but has been in a series that was produced by Ridley Scott called Taboo. We've got Tom Hardy as King Leonidas. Oh, I could see that. I can definitely see it. He's got the gravitas to be able to be the yeah. like quiet. But... He's, he's going to have to to paste on that beard, though. He can't grow one of his he own. He can't grow a good one anyway. You I know. picked him too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. 
Then we've got uh, Queen Gorgo, and that was uh, a actress that I originally became familiar with from the series Killing Eve. Mm-hmm. And she nice. she's a, like a serial killer that's being followed by the character Eve in Killing Eve. Ooh. And uh, that's Jodie Comer, who's yeah. an incredible actress. Yep. And Very is hot. currently filming with uh, a movie called The Last Duel that was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck that's directed by Ridley Scott. Just so happened to fall into your your theme. Uh, just a little bit, yeah. yeah. So I, I was very '90s in that sense, and also uh, she's a fantastic actress and currently working with Ridley Scott. So I figured that would a, a safe safe move. Then we've got uh, for the captain, I've got uh, Russell Crowe. That works. Yeah, good one. Um, who also has worked with Ridley Scott before on Gladiator, yeah. of course, and Once also has gotten a little bit older, so he's not going to be like the prime fighting guy, but still, yeah. I, I I believe he'd punch me. He'd punch you. <laughs> Dilio's the narrator, mm-hmm. um, who's going to be the voice of this story. I went with Jeremy Irons. Yes. Mm, nice. Yes. Which I think for yeah Ridley Scott. I'd listen to him yeah, for totally. a couple of hours. Yeah. Right. Then for uh, Theron, the backstabber, which was very well cast for three hundred, because that oh yeah that actor's always playing a smarmy, like undercutting, like shitty little weasel type of a character. Um, I thought it'd be more fun to take an actor that doesn't normally play that kind of role, but it is also a callback to the original, and you get Michael Fassbender to play Theron. Michael Fassbender doesn't play a backstabbing weasel? In, well, not in the same way that it was portrayed in the original 300, anyway. I'm, I'm just saying Prometheus is kind of obvious. No, but he's like the one-step-ahead guy in that versus uh, okay. like the one that's like... So slimy and, and obvious. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I thought it'd be fun. Then... Um, what is it, Ifialtes or? Uh, Ifialtes. Ifialtes, okay. That is definitely going to be, in this day and age, a CGI'd character. Because even in the era of 300, uh, the costuming was a little bit... It was only passable because of the shading of the film stock and also the fact that there were other monsters, <laughs> like full-on rubber suit monsters in this movie. Right. So with a CGI, you've got to bring in Andy Serkis. Of course. Got to. And then finally, uh, Xerxes, I did want to go with an actor that was from at least somewhere close to the former Persian realm. Uh, So it could be anywhere from like (laughs) Iraq over into like India, somewhere in that somewhere, somewhere in that general area where there was some reasonable understanding that this is somebody like close to that region. Yeah. Yeah, An Asiatic horde member. Exactly. Exactly. A a member of the horde, if if you were. And I went with actually a very comedic actor that I think has a lot of room to grow as an actor mm-hmm. that I've just become familiar with from uh, from a show on Hulu. Uh, well, I've watched on Hulu called uh, Remy, and it's Remy Yosef. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, he's hot. I, he's he's that a helps, very yeah. handsome man, uh, but also great. He's got a great, uh, like, presence. presence. Yeah, good presence that I think, if given the right circumstances, could really be emboldened uh, with the right director. So I'd yeah. be interested to see that. And that's my uh, cast list for my real take. Okay. Uh, Melina, do you have a cast list for your real take here? Besides yeah. Tom Hardy, apparently, is in there as well, right? Yeah, I had King Leonidas also as Tom Hardy. Okay. Um, All right. And it is going to be a lot of white people on my list. That's... I lean into the white supremacist. Of course. Um, I, I thought Edie Falco would be a good, um, the wife. I forgot her name. I do love Edie um, Falco. Gorgo. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, just popping pills, you know, in Sparta. And I, I know her from Sopranos. And okay. I know her as a, a mob wife, and also she's in. Um, she was in Oz. So she might actually, she might be a little too old now, I'm realizing, to be playing the wife. Of Whatever, the like, Leonidas yeah. likes him a little older, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or maybe, maybe, you know, maybe this movie was made a few years back, so let me... There we go. Let me rethink. There actually, you know you what? Go. You know who would be great as the wife? Um, whoever played in Gone Girl, the blonde woman in Gone Girl. Oh, who was in Gone Girl? I'll, I'll keep, look, I'll look I that up while you're uh, going down the rest of the I'm cast. I'm terrible with the, the names. Um... For Xerxes, I thought Adam Driver. Oh, really? <laughs> He's yeah. tall and lanky, or so that would yeah. Or Oscar Isaac. Um, I'm, I mean, that just, you know, increases my want to, you know, fuck uh, they're, dictators they're and bad guys. Dudes, <laughs> right? um, yeah, who are. But the, see, they're actually, in, in my retelling, they're actually the good guys. You watching it would clearly okay. be like. Yeah. You know, the, these are the good guys. Like, okay. Gotcha. I, I almost am like if I was going to do what well, we're not getting to the mashup yet, but I had a hard time not thinking of the mashup the whole time. And yeah. I was basically imagining like Ruby Ridge or Waco versus FBI. <laughs> oh, Jesus. So, like, nobody's perfect. That's amazing. But, wow. But one side clearly is out of their board. <laughs> sure. A little bit. Uh, we've got uh, Rosamund Pike is the name of the actress from Gone Girl. Yeah. That you her. were referencing. I think she'd be a good. She's got that those like it's a very stoic and like um She got sharper features that yeah. really yeah, absolutely. I think that's a good call. Um for Stelios, um, who I've already Oh yeah, he was the Michael Fassbender yeah. dude. Um, he was like the pretty boy that knew he was really good at fighting. It, he like he knew he was cool, everybody knew he was cool, but he actually was, so you couldn't take that away from him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Pattinson. Robert Pattinson. <laughs> oh, we're just um, trying to piss off the bros, aren't we? Oh yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I think Matthew McConaughey or like John C. Riley. Okay, I could I could definitely easily see John C. Riley playing the mutant. Um but Yeah, they'd have to do a lot of makeup on him. <laughs> I, I honestly want to see Matthew McConaughey pull off the guy <laughs> who is so ugly that they renamed the word for nightmare after his name. I want to see Matthew McConaughey pull that off. You know, Sparta told my parents to throw me into a baby pile because I wasn't oh good, but they said I was all right, all right, all right. Oh. No? Oh. Ow. Almost. <laughs> For, uh, there was his name Theros, the one played by Dominic West? Yeah. Uh, Theron. 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 Yeah. Theron. I think Jason Bateman. He can play. He can play right. slimy and smarmy pretty good. Because he's a smug yeah. son of a bitch. He is that yeah. or the guy who played um, Littlefinger in Game of Thrones. Oh, correct. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember. I can't remember. Now the here's name. here's my question for your your uh, like ultra obviously white nationalist version of Sparta. Are they still all going to be jacked like the original three hundred? Yes, they're gonna have to get in shape. Good. <laughs> Good. I want to see a jacked John C. Riley because yes. (laughs) No, but he was the mutant, so he wouldn't have to be. No, no, the mutant was even jacked. The mutant still had some really good definition. It's just he also had a hunchback. He had three abs. He had an odd number of abs. It was very strange, but he did have abs. (laughs) Wow, maybe that could be in a world where even mutants have abs. Someone write that down for the movie trailer. <laughs> um, 
Persian emissary, because he stood out to me, I would pick Michael K. Williams, who got, I think his breakout role was Omar Little in The Wire. Okay. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he's, got a, he's got a great, like, just delivery for most of his uh, vo- uh, voice yeah. work. Like, well, just, I wanted just to talking. pick someone who, you know, because the Persian emissary was, um, I think, well, he was black. And yeah. I felt like Michael K. Well, you know, he, who he played, well, well, I've only seen him play like two things. So what do I know? Um, he's the good guy, but I guess because he has that sharp scar on his face, you know, he clearly stands out as like, been through some shit. Stands out, you know. Yeah. So yeah, some, someone's got a story to tell. Yeah, that's so an emissary, right? So. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, definitely. It's like uh, the dude that played Chibs in Sons of Anarchy, where like his scar has gotten him more casting roles than. Oh yeah, he's been in all the movies where there's probably something sharp that goes at people's faces sometimes. Yeah, we need a very obvious Irishman, so we need one that's got a Glasgow grin. Yeah, so right. <laughs> cast him. Oh, the captain. Uh, I almost want to say like Ted Dance. <laughs> nice okay okay uh jack you all right so for my animated version obviously uh i went more for i went more for voice actors so you know not so much how they could physically fill the role but just imagine these voices in an animated version of these characters so for leonidas i went with ron perlman I, yeah, I can from from that. Hellboy, Sons nice. of Anarchy, Pacific Rim. He's got a very great voice. Uh, he did uh, work with bat, uh, with like three different Batman animated uh, versions sure. as different characters. He's got a great voice. Well, when you have I a think, voice that distinct, you end up doing a lot of voice work. Yeah, so I think he's very commanding. I can see him uh, doing Leonidas. So on the opposite side of the war, we've got Xerxes, and I wanted somebody who still could have like just a slight enough accent, but still have a very commanding voice. Like this is a guy who leads people. So I went with somebody who's commanded uh, uh, attention in Deuce Bigelow, but commanded troops in The Mummy. I went with Oded Fair. Okay, <laughs> nice. Another great voice. Also, yeah, very distinctive voice for sure. Yeah. For Ifialtes, I wanted somebody who felt slimy just listening to them talk. So I went for the ultimate slime ball, Freddy Krueger, Robert Ungland. Oh, wow. Okay. I can't remember his voice. Oh, it's just like, there's a reason why they cast him as a child predator. Yep. Huh. Uh, The thing is, when he's normally speaking, he has this very thespian way of speaking. Yeah. He grew up, he grew into acting through the theater. He is classically Mm -hmm. trained. He's... He's a great actor. He's a great actor. If he wants to be the slime ball, he's very good he's at it. He's very good at it. And he's learned how to develop that over the years yeah. from Freddy Krueger and then in all the roles that he got right. kind of typecast into after yeah. that as well. But um, And then I, uh, we came to Delios, uh, our narrator, and I wanted somebody I could listen to for a couple of hours and not get bored of. So I went with somebody who can do completely off-the-wall comedy but still do very serious he was in Spawn, a uh, major role in Black Dynamite, but he was also in Batman Dark Knight um, mm-hmm. as, uh, oh, uh, Gamble. Uh, I went with Michael J. White. Oh, yeah. Because he's got a very commanding voice. It's, in, it's, it's enthralling when he talks. And I think him like doing like poetic would be amazing. He, th- you know, there's those actors that end up kind of existing in the same space, like Daniel Radcliffe and Elijah Wood, where like they... 
it's not even that well in their case they look very similar but also like they're very like indie driven now yeah and they're very weird roles that they like to take on so it's these two actors that you just assume are at all the calls for the same roles all the time yeah i feel like uh michael jai white and uh bokeem woodbine have the similar thing oh like, yeah like, they don't look necessarily anything alike but like their presence, their presence. is very similar yeah well i also think of michael J. white in the same category as um well, what used to be um, Wesley Snipes sure. as well. Yeah, yeah, very similar present. Not now so much. Not not so much now, but like... Now when, he just has a bored presence. He just seems bored all the time. Yeah, know? I mean, when, when Michael J. White was coming onto the scene, he seemed like he was the natural successor to pretty much anything that Wesley Snipes was doing at sure. the time. So, And going down, finishing off mine, major casting is for Queen Gorgo. I went with somebody who's got a lot of voice acting experience, but she also has done some live action stuff. You would probably recognize her voice as Poison Ivy from the Batman animated series from the uh, from the 90s. But she was also the original Supergirl in 1984. Oh, wow. Helen Slater. Helen Slater. I know. Yeah. yeah. Not many people even remember there was an 80s Supergirl movie. Oh, I never forget. Yeah. But of course, I was also a Smallville fan. So when they decided to cast uh, uh, Kal-El's mother in that they got Helen Slater to play. Sure. I'm like, that's that. Perfect. I will always love Smallville because it gave, gave such great legacy casting. And it's I, important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So is that your casting? That That's it. That's, okay. I thought those were the major characters. Sure. Also, I, uh, since I'm wanting to go a little more towards the, the, the comic book version, those were the ones who mostly actually had dialogue. Sure. Everyone else was sort of like a nameless extra. Fair enough. Now, the next part is the, where it gets buck wild for the remainder of the uh yeah. the show this is where we're uh gonna be talking about our remix versions just the super weird takes on it that we can uh just kind of go do whatever the fuck we want to with the with the property and uh we can also after that we're gonna be talking about our mashups as well as far as what listeners have suggested we mash up the property with and stuff that we've come up with ourselves <laughs> to mash up with the property so um, that's the part i love most <laughs> So for, um, let's go through mine really quick because it's pretty much right. a no brainer on the casting when you go with the director. I think I already know who you did. Um, I, I think I slipped a little bit yeah. earlier. Yeah. I wanted to just say fuck all with any kind of like any un understanding of it being like culturally appropriate for the period and not even go with the like light British accent vibe for this for all the characters but actually just go full cockney accent don't even try to pretend that it's any kind of actual period piece it's just like a modern feeling movie that happens to take place a long time ago but they aren't talking like it's a long time ago there's nothing that's actually like uh appropriate for the time period yeah besides maybe the costuming and i thought it would be very fun to make it almost kind of a tone of a caper uh, with Cockney accents, and the best director to do that would be Guy Ritchie. Yep, doing a three hundred movie. So of Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, Snatch, Rock and Rolla did King Arthur. So has done a period piece that feels very highly stylized. Have you watched I have, that movie? I've only watched little pieces of it. Uh -huh. Highly stylized, yeah. very modern kind of feel to it. Does not feel appropriate for a period piece. Yeah, at not all, at all. <laughs> which is why exactly I cast him yeah. for this as the nah, director. That's, that's fair. So it's all the. It's a lot of the people you would think would be in a Guy Ritchie movie are in this casting. So for King Leonidas, his new favorite that's in a lot of his stuff, Charlie Hunnam, yeah. is going to be King Leonidas. He's a little short for it. but He's a little fine. short, but also this 
this isn't like the super muscular 300. Yeah. This is the like the slender Cockney British yeah. 300. For Queen, Queen Gorgo, we've just, got... Just uh, stop that. Just stop that right now. Th- you know that's the trailer I'm going to do. It's I, just a, I know, but accent. I don't need more of it. <laughs> for Queen Gorgo, I went with an actress that I am absolutely head over heels in love with that is an incredible actress, gorgeous, in a very kind of very individual way. Um, from Game of Thrones and Hunger Games, we've got mm. Natalie Dormer in okay. there. Yeah. As Queen nice, Gorgo. Nice. She's got that like combination of being able to fully go queen bitch if need be, but also not necessarily actually a bad person. Just very motivated, driven woman kind of tone. And yeah. that, I think that works for Queen Gorgo. Then the captain, uh, this is not the storyteller, but the older soldier whose right. son is in the in the battle. No, talk about an older soldier in a Guy Ritchie movie. You bring Vinnie Jones in. And yep. you're good to go yep. bullet tooth I'm Tony. Done. Like yep. he's, I'm good he's with been that. in like every British film ever. And uh he also beat up a dude, I believe by that was my name in a bar once. A na- person with my exact same name got beat up wow. and stabbed with a bo- beer bottle, if I remember correctly, by Vinny Jones. So I could see that. Yeah, former footballer turned actor yeah. Vinny Jones. So um you're not asking for his autograph ever. I well not with introducing myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Um, then we've got, uh, Dilios, the narrator, and that was definitely not Vinnie Jones. <laughs> He's not a man yeah. of many words, but somebody that is, and has worked with, uh, uh, Guy Ritchie in the past is Colin Farrell. Yep. As the voice, I think would be a really good choice. And we've got Theron, the slimy, yep. uh, underhanded, uh, politician type. And he played pretty much that role in The Gentleman. If you have not watched The Gentleman, one of uh, mm-hmm. Guy Ritchie's newest like caper movie. It is an absolute blast. I feel like it's a kind of a matured return to form. Yeah. It's very much of that old style Ritchie, but with Instead very... of like Revolver? Instead of Revolver, yeah. Um, and as much as I did enjoy Rock and Rolla, this feels a little bit more put together than Rock yeah. and Rolla had the, the tone for is The Gentleman. And uh, that was Hugh Grant playing a oh, yeah. very strange role in The Gentleman for his, his kind of acting normally. But he did a great job. Yeah. And I think it'd be fun to play, have him as this slimy Theron. Then for uh, Faltes, I went very left field with this, but I thought it would be super fun and pr- natural, pr- like prosthetics on this, not like CGI. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You get the the mutant fanboy played by Ricky Gervais. Nice. Uh, nice. So. Uh, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> Leonidas, I want to join your army. Just look really. Brash and pissed off. I mean, off and... I'm I'm looking forward to that scene with him, uh, with Xerxes, like being just a complete ass about like how the uh, how the Spartans treated him. Right, and he's just sitting there like throwing grapes into his mouth, and it's like they don't listen to me. Just <laughs> yeah, I could off, see Ricky Gervais being that kind It'd be of asshole. Very fun, and I think Guy Ritchie would let it because he does take pause for those little kind of out of place comedic moments in his movies, yeah. but it works. It gives it kind of just a yeah. moment to kind of heal from all the craziness. Um, and then we've got uh, Xerxes, the uh, the main uh, quote unquote bad guy in this uh, in this film. I again wanted to think about in those terms actually somebody that um, whose background was appropriate to generally that area. The Asiatic hordes. Yes, the Asiatic hordes. I decided to go with an actor that Guy Ritchie worked with, as far as I know, once, but it was a big role. Uh, Mina uh, Masoud is the name of the actor, and he played Aladdin in the live-action Aladdin movie that was directed oh. by Guy Ritchie. 
I didn't know that was Guy Ritchie. That was Guy Ritchie. Directed Disney? A, the, the Disney Aladdin live action movie with Will Smith as the genie. It was Guy oh, Ritchie. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I'm kind of glad I didn't see it now. Now, the thing is, that I, a lot of the acting wasn't bad. It was just kind of tone deaf to the original. And yeah. I, I want to give this actor a chance. Right. Uh, no, what, like, no, saw, no fault I, to the actors. I'm I just saying. I didn't even like, finish yeah. that movie. But what I saw, the actors were fine. It was just, it was not, it did yeah. not transfer to live action well right. at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so who wants to go next with their their weird take? I'll go. Okay. My weird take is a complete subversion. I would have it be a comedy directed by John Waters. Okay. With an all-female cast. Excellent. I'm super into this so far. And it's going to still take um, very much like the plot of the um, Zack Zach Snyder. Is that his name? Yes. Yeah, him or um, who made the comic? Sorry. Frank Miller. Frank Miller. Um, so it's going to still very much follow that. So like the villains are still the villains and the good guys are still the good guys, but it'll be much more lighthearted and comedic. So even the bad guys aren't really like bad guys. Not all that bad. Uh, um, so King Leonidas will be played by Cardi B. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, the wife will be played. I'm not sure how to say this name. Gorgo. Lena Waite. I don't know if it's waste. Wet ass Persian? Is that? <laughs> oh, <laughs> what God. What, what, the wife, uh, she was. Um, Lena Queen Gorgo. Alina Waith? Yeah, Lena Waith. What? Wait or Waith. Uh, she was in Master of None. She's a comedian. Okay. She has a very kind of, I would say, like, dry sense of humor, I think would be fair to say. Um, I would have the captain played by Rita Morena. Um, who who is a, is a, an EGOT winner, yeah. and her roles include Oz, but also as like an older woman, but also um, West Side Story in her youth. I think she played the lead or a very yeah. Character oh wow, yeah, I no idea. Um, so she's very amazing. I think the, also did they do a they did a reboot of a TV show on Netflix, and they had her in it too. I can't remember the name though. Delios. I would have played by Lupita Nyong'o. I love yes. her so much. Yes. I think she'd be a good um, warrior. I, I want to uh, see her do that, like, jump off of somebody's back and, like, through the air and chop off somebody's oh, arm. Oh, sure. Yeah, Loop. absolutely. I would yeah, definitely that, watch the that, shit out the of that. It's the most ridiculous. They point that out in that, like, um, in, everything in the wrong sense, with 300. Yeah. And it's like, what good would that really do? Uh, or, like, why, why he uses the whip to, like, keep him from, like, chopping off his hand. And it's like, why would a whip help you right now? Like, <laughs> right. Why is that your choice? He has a sword. The dude has a sword. Um... Afraides, I would have played by Ellen DeGeneres. Oh, wow. Or, or Allison Williams. I think you go Ellen, and that's like her penance. Uh, <laughs> For, like, yes. you, you cannot be canceled, but you've got to play this role, and you've just got to lean into it in order to... Now, here's the question. Do you put her still in heavy makeup, or you just make her just come out there all natural, and then everyone react as if she were in heavy makeup to be ugly? I think you do, like, That's maybe... That's a dick move, Jack. That's a dick move. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe I'm an asshole. Light tattered um, no, clothing. No, I mean that's not a that's not a dick move to Ellen. That's a dick move to women. That because like she's an older woman, sure, and but like women are allowed to age too and also not be beautiful. Oh, I'm not talking age. about her like uh, her actual appearance being like horrific. What I'm saying is it being treated as such. But I can also see uh, what Melina's saying is that even though we're talking about it being specifically 
Ellen personality-wise for being yeah. a shitbag yeah. to people right. to work for. I can see how it could be taken a different yeah, way. Yeah, which, okay, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. An and that's, mask. Yeah. So I would still have her in heavy makeup, and I'm glad you said that, because I did want to clarify that, because I know she's not, like, known for her beauty, and, like, a lot of depictions of her, like, on Family Guy and stuff are, like, less than flattering. Oh, well, But um, yeah. I would still have her in, like, the horrible makeup and okay. be, yeah. be but, like, truly monstrous. And my other choice was, I was thinking, Allison Williams, who is a, I think, you know, objectively beautiful woman, but she's very good at playing someone very villainous and um, like, uh, what do you like? B not backhanded, but like two-faced. I think to. I think that strikes into like there are some really great actors out there who just happen to be good looking, and then they never get cast in like interesting character roles because the primary reason they were cast is because yeah. they were good looking instead yes. of their actual acting ability. Well, that's interesting. You say not to take this on a feminist rant but you know i i did get involved yeah. um uh you know so a very enlightening thing someone said to me many years ago was when i compliment i was saying like wow that's charlie's there and amazing you know how she played in monster and how she won her award yeah. and a friend said yeah but isn't it a shame like a beautiful woman has to not be beautiful in a movie to show she can also be an amazing actress and it's yeah. like yeah absolutely um, but I, I think it speaks to the greater you know i'm not like canceling anybody here or whatever but the greater issues like at play and you know worth yeah. noting almost every other woman i listed and my instinct was to list like beautiful women in all the other roles so yeah i mean in the end when we're talking about a highly stylized film in general when you're talking about stories about real people you can cast actors that look like real people look mm -hmm. but with these highly stylized action or like romantic comedies and stuff they're fantasies they're all yeah. fantasies where yeah. everybody's larger than life everybody's gorgeous even the ugly person is only ugly yes. because they they don't put their hair down they're know? hollywood so, ugly which yeah is right. beautiful in the real world it's still a um, solid 10 anywhere else yeah. well and like not to be i mean have you ever seen what a beautiful actor or actress looks like ir like on, they it, it's shocking that they can often i've seen mina suvari and like Julie Delpy, like I lived in New York for a while, so I got to see like celebrities some, just randomly up close sometimes. And like they would take your breath away. And it's just shocking that it's like, wow, you're even hotter in person. <laughs> what? Right. Um, this should not be allowed. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. In any case. Um, right, so who else you got here? So let's see. Is it Theros? I can't read my own handwriting, but. Theron. Yeah, I, I think either I had also thought Natalie Dormer or Lena Headley. So Game of Thrones, that kind I, ima I, yeah. I imagine it's that kind of I mean, of bring story. back Lena Headey to play the Hedy, Hedy. Yeah. yeah. Bring her back to play the guy that she murdered in the, the original movie. Yeah, I'm down with that. Yes, yes. That's fun. Yes. Done. That's right. Done. She's like, this won't be quick, but then it is like immediate. <laughs> <laughs> um the Persian emissary I would have played by Jamila Jamil, who is in The Good Place. Yes. Oh, God, she's so good. Yeah. She's fantastic. So what's great about her is her name translates to both. Her name translates to pretty, pretty. <laughs> or like good looking, good looking, because it's like the mas the female and masculine version of pretty. Although probably not <laughs> fa fan of uh, anybody yelling that at her in public. Just pretty, pretty. That's a lot. She's so pretty. She's very, very pretty. Very pretty. Definitely. Oh, yeah, Xerxes, Xerxes, Kristen Bell. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's still a comedy. It's still yes, lighthearted. Sure, absolutely. And um, 
I mean, she's done villainous before. Uh, have you seen her Has in she? Heroes? Yeah. Yeah, True. she has okay. done bad guy. Um, okay, she does that. not get enough bad guy roles. I guess she's very, she does a good. I guess in the good place, she's not exactly a good guy. She's an asshole, yeah, right? Yeah. So she, she's um, pretty. Uh, she's a pretty fucking big asshole, and uh, yeah, we're pretty forking big. big yeah, for, big, forking, sorry. You know that then would make sense with Jamila Jamil because they would yeah. both be on the Persian side of this story, Ooh. and it would all be narrated. My Delios would be Sofia Vergara. <laughs> oh god yes nice. yes 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 that is amazing i'm i'm into that version for sure well and also you yeah. got john waters the fun the part would oh, be all the costumes so and the landscapes would just be ridiculous and it would be very much inspired by the attitude of that rick and morty where they go to the planet of all the women <laughs> sure <laughs> yes <laughs> all right jack you got a uh okay. a fun take here Okay, this is so much my farcical take because no one would ever approve this. Okay. All right, because uh the because of the myth of what the 300 at Thermopylae did, nobody wants to take any other view except that the Spartans were the good guys. Sure. Okay. So, my version is directed by Catherine Bigelow, who okay. did Hurt Locker and yeah. Zero Dark 30. So she's done gritty oh. war movies, okay. right? Damn. Where nobody's the good guy. Everyone's a jerk. All right? So in this version, it's a lot more grounded, a lot more realistic, and it actually plays to both sides of the entire uh, conflict on why Persia was expanding and on why the Spartans were the ones who were defending this one little place. And, you know, it dives into the politics and it dives into, like, why this battle was so gruesome and terrible and why people shouldn't glorify it because people died, like, by the fucking truckloads. Mm -hmm. All right, so I want Catherine Bigelow to do it because it's going to deconstruct the entire mythos around the Spartans at Thermopylae. I dig that. I yeah. actually really dig that. Yeah. Okay. So Where everybody ends up just being a dick, and you, there's nobody that you're really rooting for except maybe like the one person that isn't the dick, but isn't also a main character either. Honestly, I want my hero in this version to be Iphialtes. Okay. Huh. Being turned away from the Spartans for being not their perfect person uh -huh. and then trying to find some solace in a group that you know even though they have ulterior motives accepted him accepted him yeah yeah okay all right so for leonidas in this version i'm gonna cast uh somebody who has already done some work with Catherine bigelow but has already also done some epic war movies with some poetic background to it like coriolanus but he also does comedy with you know grand budapest ray fines ray fines is great i can nice. see it yeah. absolutely uh, on his, on the opposite end, I wanted somebody who is not only, you know, Persian, because the original Xerxes was so not. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, like, uh, I wanted somebody who wasn't as the same kind of commanding, because there's no real historical record that, like, Leonidas and Xerxes ever met, like, face to face. So, I don't want that scene. I want something else. I want, you know, uh, Xerxes sort of standing behind the entire army, directing things, but not necessarily on the ground. So, uh, going by accounts from where I could see, I wanted to cast somebody who was a lot more or less assuming. So, uh, most people would probably remember him from uh, uh, a small role that he had in Iron Man. Uh, if you are really into terrible movies, you saw him in The Last Airbender. Uh, Sean Taub. Sean Taub, I know that name. Okay, no uh, in Iron Man, he's uh, Yinsen, the, the, the doctor who helps Tony Stark in the cave. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. All right. And he played Uncle Iroh in the last Airbender live action movie. Oh, Jesus. 
He's, which I never bothered with. So I mean, he he actually does play the role as best he can. But again, it's a terrible movie. So yeah. you know, take it for what it is. But he's actually a very talented actor, and I think he could do like regal. Okay. Um. Uh. Moving on to my ifielties, my my protagonist in this version. Sure. Uh. Most people are going to remember him by work uh, working in like the worst possible way and more of his, a comedic actor because you got to keep your your protagonist light he was in the mummy he was in van helsing kevin j o'connor looks like i've got all the horses oh jesus okay yeah <laughs> god for delios i went with somebody who uh i could at least listen to talk for an extended period of time uh i went with jerome flynn uh, everyone probably remembers him as Braun from game of thrones okay and for my queen, oh, damn. yes. And for my queen, Gorgo, in this version, I went with somebody who has presence and, uh, and you know, obviously beauty because that's what she's actually most remembered for. Uh, she's in uh, was in the MCU for an extended period. Uh, she was on Lost. She was in the Hurt Locker. So she's worked with Catherine Bigelow, Evangeline Lilly. Okay, I like her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's my version of like the 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 Hollywood ver- uh, the, the the gritty Hollywood movie that will never be made. Nice. Uh, now we go into the mashups before we get into our final trailer versions that we're going to be doing here, So, uh, which is always a good time. Uh, for the mashups, we only have one that I saw before we started here, because I posted the, the links a little later. But uh, we have uh, Michelle Lefteye, uh, one of our regular contributors here on the network, and will be on SmackDown Pitch up here pretty soon, I think, uh, suggested that we mash up 300 with 21 Jump Street. So 300 Jump Street, I guess. Ouch. Ouch. Um, well, yeah. It's like Xerxes is a gang leader and... And Leonidas and and his captain are infiltrating... Are infiltrating the Persian army. <laughs> or the Persians is the name of the street gang. Oh, the, God, the, no. No, are oh, we not oh, doing no. that? <laughs> no, the street gang is obviously going to be the Asiatic hordes. That's true, the horde. Or just the horde is fine. Oh, God. And then they have to, uh, I don't know, like, there's Hot Gates, which is the name of a strip club uh, that... They have a shootout? They have a shootout at the Hot Gates. Um, ow. No? Okay. Yeah. okay. I, I, that's, that's a tough one, but... Yeah, yeah. that's a tough one. Um, I'm going to give you mine and, you know, okay. brace yourselves. Okay. Bollywood musical. In. Nice. Done. <laughs> yep. Nice. Sold. Don't, don't need any more description. 100% on board. It is a four and a half hour movie with 16 dance numbers. Yes. Yes. I'm in. One of them in the complete nude. Because that's how Spartans fought, remember? Yep. <laughs> Clearly, nice. that's how they fight. Nice. Um, <sighs> my mashup would be with The Room. Wow. <laughs> You're tearing me apart, Xerxes. <laughs> because they both are meant to, for me. I have it's the same impact for me both movies. They're meant to be very serious like deep right meaningful, yeah emotive movies, but to me they're just they're so off that they're comedic. It's like Surely this is a joke, right? <laughs> no, they, everyone was serious while they were making this. Like, the- like this one time I wore a shirt in all sincerity. Like I have a very, uh, shall we say, flamboyant sense of style. 
and I was wearing something and someone was like, that's cool how you'll wear a shirt like as a joke. And I was like, what do you mean? As a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But that's how I feel about 300. And, you know, obviously the room, we all know it's a joke, but fair enough. Yeah. Um, I would love to see the uh, 300 mashed up with Aquaman. (sighs) Where instead of the Persian army, it's the, the Atlantean hordes that, uh, so, (laughs) so the sea people at the collapse of the bronze age, Yes. Yeah, they yeah. were Atlanteans. Yeah. And the 300 defended Sparta from the sea people. Yes. True. Do, do it mash up with BoJack Horseman. <laughs> <laughs> so Cartoon just everyone's on cocaine. Teenage. BoJack Sparta. Or like, no, the animals. Ver- it, it could be either be animals versus people or cartoons versus live action. It'd be like a who Roger, Roger Rabbit, Rabbit kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, I love Roger Rabbit. Yeah, that well, is an yeah. all. That's one of my all-time favorite movies. Although I haven't seen it in like fifteen, twenty. Years. Oh, I watched it a bunch movie. as a little kid. But uh, yeah, but let's let's get off this mashup yeah, yeah. ride before we get too out of control here. We've got our trailers to do uh, yeah. right at the end here. So um, I'm going to be doing my Guy Ritchie one. Of course you are. Yeah, uh, Jack. Which one are you going to be jumping on here? I think I'm going to do my Todd McFarlane. Todd one. McFarlane. Yeah. And uh, Melina, which version of this are you going to be doing? Yeah, so whatever I said earlier that was funny and brilliant, and thank God we recorded it, that. Well, you're going to have to do the trailer. Even here. Jack was like, you have to like write that on a t-shirt. Yeah. No, but I can't, well, we can't remember now. Well, we're, gonna, we're about to do we're our, about to do our trailer, trailer so you have to come up with, do one of your versions. My bad. Okay, I'll try to think of something while y'all are doing yours. What did I say? Okay. Well, let me, uh, let me cue up the music. From the director that brought you Snatch, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, and re- most recently, The Gentleman, comes a new new version of a uh, Zack Snyder classic. I don't know what my accents are doing right now. Uh, Charlie Hunnam plays King Leonidas, the leader of the 300. I, I can't do accents, man. Um, going up against the... Against the Persian hordes. <laughs> no. Uh, oh God. Of Xerxes. Xerxes played by Mina Massoud of Aladdin. I just went Brooklyn now. Uh, hey, this this is Sparta. <laughs> it's uh, not only they've been me, for 30 years me that's this that's spotted all right so that's the incredibly low bar that the two of you have to uh i don't know i i oh in my head i thought i could do oh cockney accent and i got maybe about a half second of oh my cockney god we just went on a world tour oh uh, god man <laughs> So that that's the uh So so here's my new table rule anytime you come back for D D. You're not allowed to do a British accent. Just ever not allowed. <laughs> <sighs> went from I tried to do like British gangster and then just went into like really bad you, you turned you turned into that kid from the Kingsman for like a good thirty seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
That's something I'm never not going to be able to live down. Uh, now moving on I'm to... I'm not letting you forget it. Well, let's see how good you can do, mister. Uh, I um, can't do good. You, yeah. That's... I don't I don't aim for good. That's true. I that aim for true. passable. That all is right. really all the best that anyone can do on this. Uh, Honestly, this one's more probably more of a teaser, uh, okay. like I usually do. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's okay. It's, um, it's, three stars. It's going to be just okay. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Picture this like the opening for 300 where it's like the rain and the thunder's going off and just imagine a blood rain going on because, of course, Todd McFarlane makes it rain blood. Sure. Yeah. And it's just flashing lights. Okay. Yeah. So here we go. Long ago in a world that was made and forged in violence. There was an entire civilization that made it their mission to be the perfect warrior. And in one shining day, they got to test their mettle against the strongest, largest, and most dangerous army in the world. The 300 against Perda. From, uh, from the mind of Frank Miller and Zack Snyder, Starring Ron Perlman, Odin Fair, and Helen Slater. Featuring Michael J. White and Robert Unglund. This summer, three Todd McFarlane's 300. Nice. That was definitely better than mine. Not that that was a very high bar at all. Yeah. But yeah. All right. So just, just, just. So uh, here we go for the final one. We're switching it over to the, the, the ladies version. Of uh of three hundred uh, with some music that was chosen for the Werner Herzog version, <laughs> so this is uh going to be some choices were made. Let's see how well they work choices, out. Yeah, sorry, this, this is old this music. what we got. Okay, here we go. In a world where if the shirt is cute, you can't execute. <laughs> Featuring Cardi B and Sofia Vergara. <laughs> This hot girl summer has been near you. I like the hot girl summer. That's that was the highlight. I threw that in. I was thinking of Megan the Stallion the whole time and wanting to cast her, but I don't think she's ever acted, so that didn't. That seemed gratuitous. I like you're not even like giving a shit about the name of the movie. You're like, I'm not even gonna say the name of the movie. Like just the the casting alone. No, you're like, no, no, fuck it. Do you care? Do you you care? care? Do you care at all? You're gonna come see this no matter what it's called. Yeah, sorry. I'm the white club for me. The combo uh, alcohol plus weed, just like I'm very silly, and that's oh, no, why I was enough. like, you know what? I'm clearly in the mood. I'm in a John Waters mood, even if it is going to be something like fucked up. Fair enough. All right. Speaking of fucked up, we uh, fucked up for the last little bit of this episode. We yeah. are uh, we are that's on our way out of here. So I want to thank my guests here for helping me utterly destroy. Uh, a machismo masterpiece that is yeah. 300. If you thought the volleyball scene from Top Gun was machismo, then wait for two hours of gratuitous chiseled oiled bodies killing things. Hot. <laughs> Super nice. hot. Kind of interested to see some of these versions that will definitely never, never be made. Never, never be ever made. be made. Speaking of things that will never be made, um, we have a number of other shows with ideas um, or episodes of this show where we have ideas that will never ever be made, unfortunately, sometimes. Because we've had some really good ideas sometimes. Not often, but sometimes. And you can check that out by going to GUIPodcast.com and clicking on the Smack My Pitch Up link or just going to wherever you get your podcasts and uh, looking for Smack My Pitch Up. 
We've also got a bunch of other shows on the Geeks Under the Influence Network that you can find at GUIPodcast.com. Rate, review, subscribe, let your friends know about it, post on social media, find us on social media. We love talking to our fans, so give us ideas for future episodes. Tell us some of your favorite previous episodes or guests that you like that you want to have back on. We're always interested, and definitely keep an eye out on social media for our posts about mashups and what we want to mash up on future episodes. And we'll see you next time. Uh, again, thanks to my guests. I am Mike the Hobbit, your host, and you just got pitch snacks. GUIPodcast.com. <laughs>